Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Tonight, and we come into your Word and we humble ourselves to your Word. We allow your word to define truth. We allow your word, Father, God, to be the standard of truth. And Father, we just thank you. Hmm. We're going to get it all. Not by our ability, but because you're faithful. And we humble ourselves to your faithfulness to teach us. You created us and you know how to speak to us. You know how to reveal to us. You know how to guide us and lead us into all truth. And that's what we allow you to do tonight. And we thank you that when we know the truth, the truth makes us free. As we walk into that tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Leviticus 17, and here um, God gives us a little indication about the importance of blood here. He's, he's talking about the sacrifice uh, and, and the, the different sacrifices that he's already ordained, and he's talking to um, the Israelites here about just, just the importance of honoring the blood of the sacrifice. And he says here in verse uh, 10, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10. It says, And whatever man of the house of Israel or the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. It says, verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And so he, he tells us the, the reason why he's, he wants us to have, you know, understand the importance of it because it's about atonement. But at, at the same time, there it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it's interesting, I was, of course, I was teaching this last night in school and we got into some different things. We'll see what we get into tonight, um, just as the Holy Spirit leads. But uh, uh, one of the things I, I was intrigued by was just looking up the, uh, the definition of that word life, where it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And... Um, you know, the one of the there's several different definitions to this word, but uh, all of them have have tremendous meaning. Uh, one of the first definitions has to do with a, a passive enforcement or a passive activity of life, and and basically what that means is that you know the blood that's in your veins right now uh, is operating right now, right? But you are not intending it to or purposing it to it's just passively doing that it's called a passive thing in our body right but it's doing something it's a passive activity and and this word life is that's what he's saying the life is in the blood the passive activity of your life is in the blood the the passive the things that are going on in your life the things that are going on in your physical body right now um they're they're going on in your physical body because of blood you have nothing to do with that it's going on you know the blood's flowing and but you have nothing to do with that you're, uh, right now, I'm not thinking about my blood at all. But it's still working. It's still doing everything it's supposed to do. And it's a passive activity. But, it's, but that, the, 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 the other, the other, one of the other definitions of this word, it's interesting because it, this was one of the main definitions, was is a seat, which means like a throne or a governing position, a, the seat of your appetites, emotions, and passions. That's what the word life there means. The seat of your appetites, emotions, passions. It's talking about that, that which governs you. And it says the life of the flesh, that governing force of the flesh, that seat of authority of your flesh, is where? It's in the blood. There's things in the blood that actually dictate what you, what you have an appetite for. 
They, have a, they, they dictate what you have a passion for. It dictates what your desires are. It dictates, it's governing you, but it's governing you from a, from a, a position where you are passive toward it, but it's very active toward you. Like I said, is, is your blood important to you right now? Very important. Without the blood, guess what happens? You die. <laughs> Life is in the blood. Okay, but now we were, as we were talking about this, the one thing I wanted to point out, even in this, was that is, is so a lot of times we don't under, we we kind of get we kind of get almost uh, scared or not scared, but kind of uh, it's kind of a confusion based on the blood uh, because we're thinking, well, I don't understand how that how that translates over into the to the spiritual realm. I don't understand spiritual blood. Well, it's not hard for to, for us to grasp when the word says that we have spiritual ears, right? And we have spiritual eyes, right? And we have a spiritual mind, right? And we have a spiritual heart, right? And we have a spiritual body, don't we? So is it a far stretch to say we have spiritual blood? Do you understand? That's not a stretch at all, right? I mean, is it hard to understand that, that we have spiritual blood? If we have spiritual senses, our five senses, why wouldn't we have spiritual blood? If we have a spiritual heart, do we have a spiritual heart? It says guard your heart with what? All diligence, because why? Out of it flows the issues of life. But you understand that your, your, it's not talking about your natural heart, is it? Okay. But in your natural heart, your, what does your natural heart do? Pumps blood. What do you think your spiritual heart does? It pumps blood. Okay. It doesn't say that the heart produces anything. The heart pumps something. Out of it flows the issues of life. But your heart doesn't produce it. Your heart just pumps it. Right? Does that make sense? It's the blood. The life of the flesh is the blood. And so there's a spiritual blood. And then we need to get this, that what was tainted at the fall of man was his blood. Not his natural blood, it was his spiritual blood. Okay? And so his spiritual blood now was tainted. You understand, your heart, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12? He said, he said the good man out of the good treasure, what? Of the heart produced good things, right? And the evil man of the evil treasure of the heart produces what? Evil things. He says, in other words, there's something in your heart that your heart is producing, right? Your heart's not actually causing it to happen. It's just pumping it out. It's out of the treasure of your heart. Well, what does your heart store? Blood, right? That's what your heart does. Your heart takes in blood, puts out blood. Put, takes in blood, puts out blood. And so many times we, we kind of, for, I don't know why it is that we separate, we, we're so easily understanding that we have spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, spiritual senses, spiritual minds, spiritual, you know, all these other things. But when we talk about the blood, we kind of don't understand all that. Well, let's just lump it all together and realize that my, my spiritual heart's pumping spiritual blood into my body. And it's the life. It is actually the seat of my passions, appetites, and desires is that blood. It's, it's defining me. And, and I was... As I was looking these things up, uh, uh, just in the natural realm, like I said, we, we can look, God gives us our natural uh, body and natural creation to speak of spiritual things. And so we can look at our natural being and, and, and learn of, of spiritual things. Um, now understand this, that, that what the blood does in our natural realm. How important is our blood to our life? How important is our blood to our, to our physical body? It is everything. And I, I just briefly looked up, you know, what blood does in the natural realm. And it, and, and it has three categories uh, that, that it, it, it handles. It handles tons of stuff, but they all fit in one of these three categories. And the first thing it does, it's no priority here, but it, it, it transports things. It transports oxygen and nutrients throughout your body, right? So you take in food, go through your digestive system. The blood then uh, absorbs the nutrients and then carries it wherever it needs to go. 
kind of important, right? So it's transporting all of the necessary elements into the rest of your body to actually make your body function. That's kind of important. Okay, the other thing it does is the white blood cells. What do they do? They take out the bad stuff, right? They, they, uh, those white blood cells, if there's sickness in your body, those things go to work, right? They, they detect uh, malformity, they detect abnormality, and they begin to go and produce antibodies and all that to actually deal with sickness and disease and drive di- sickness and disease out of your body. Kind of important, right? Defends your body from sickness and disease. And it also deals with all the waste in your body. I didn't even know this, that your blood actually is what actually um, um, absorbs all the waste from your body and will distribute it either through your sweat glands or through your intestines or whatever, but it, it, it actually is, the, is what gathers all your waste up and gets it out of your body. That's kind of important too. It, it, it causes all the good to go in and all the bad to go out. Glory to God. And then if there's sickness, it deals with all of that. And then you have the... the um, so the first thing it does is it transports. The second thing it does is it protects. And then the third thing it does is it, is it actually regulates. It actually causes all of the, um, all of the uh, elements in your body to actually be balanced in your body. So if you have uh, salt or sugar or hydrogen or nitrogen, different things in your body, it regulates all those things. And so that way you're not up and down all the time. You know, that's why it is, if, it's, if, it's, if it's really hot outside, it causes your body to regulate that. If it's really cold outside, it causes your body to regulate that so that we're not susceptible to the, to the surroundings around us and we're also not on this huge fluctuation just because we're taking in weird things sometimes. You know, and then, of course, you have in, in the defense mechanism, you have the, the, the platelets that you, you guys know what the platelets do. They, they cause the blood clotting. So they actually, when, when you have a cut in your, in, in your body or your, wherever, the, those platelets begin to form and they begin to clot the blood so that healing can begin. It's a very important thing. You understand? Now, if it does that in the shadow form of the physical realm, how much more does spiritual blood do that in the, in the spiritual realm? Right? How much more in the real? If, if the life is in the blood in the, in the physical realm, which it is, how much more is it in the real? And we need to realize that the, the importance of this blood. Um, turn over there to Romans chapter 5. Now, I was, uh, you know, of course, I'd heard a long time ago uh, that that um, that a baby gets its its uh, blood makeup from from the man, from the father, and so I was I was looking that up just to confirm it, and um, and really uh, the um, the mother and the father contribute to the blood, but the dominant influence is from the male. And so even though there are things that come from the mother, and b- both from the mother and the father, and make up, make up the blood of the child, the dominant influence is from the male. So if there's something that's in the dominant, is there something dominant in that male bloodstream, it w- w- chances are it will be going into the child. The mother takes a, uh, a submissive role, submissive traits, and, and, uh, and the father has a very dominant trait set from his, from his DNA. And that's what makes up the bloodline. And so the dominant influence from, in the natural realm comes from the male and goes to the child. And so here in, uh, in Romans chapter 5, it says here, and of course, verse 12, we've, been, we've covered these verses several times the last few weeks, but it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, even, even de- and death through sin, and thus death spread where? To all men, because all sinned. And then verse 14 Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So here he's going, 
death actually spread, and the likeness of it spread all through mankind. Now, how did that happen? It happened through the blood. In other words, man, uh, if, if, if your blood type, if, if a male, man's blood type carries a disease, chances are their child will carry the same d- disease if it's genetically passed because they have dominant blood. And you understand what happened in the spirit realm, that man's spiritual blood became diseased with sin. And so the moment he bowed his knee to the devil, his spiritual blood became diseased with sin. And this is why, now suddenly, so at that moment in time, his, his, his spiritual, because he bowed his knee to the devil, he took on the, the nature of the devil instead of having the nature of God, and his bloodline became diseased with the nature of the devil. And then from that moment on, Adam to, 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 to son, to father to son, to father to son, went all the way down. And it just got carried through humanity. And this is why it says, of course, over there in John chapter 8, let's turn over there real quick. But I just, I just want, to, I want you to understand how this happened and why it happened. It's because of spiritual blood. It's because of the blood. Now, um, uh, and that's why he says, you know, you guard your heart with all diligence because out of it proceeds the issues of life. Because when, when you're pumping, pumping bad things, you know, your heart, you know, I say this a lot, but your heart does not have a filter on it. Your heart will pump whatever you put into it, right? Whatever you put into it, it'll pump. Because if I, if I put poison in my veins right now, my heart does not say, nope, not going to pump that. It's not healthy. It doesn't. It just pumps. That's all it does. Just pumps. Whatever I put into it. And that's why it says you guard your heart with all diligence. Because it'll produce the issues of life. It'll actually produce your appetites, your desires. Whatever is, is beginning to govern you will come through that heart. And so whatever's coming in through your eyes and your ears is going to eventually go into your heart. And you need to watch that. Because you don't want that pumped into your life. Now, over here in John chapter 8... And he says, this is Jesus speaking, of course. He says in um, uh, verse 30, 43, 43, John 8, 43. He says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of what? Your father the devil. And then what does he say? Yeah, the desires of your father you want to do. Well, why do you think that? Why do you think they want to do the desires of their father? Because the life is in the blood. The seat of desire is in the blood. The seat of, of appetites is in the blood. And so here this bloodline has been, been spread all the way through. And now Jesus is going, you are of your father, the devil, and, and the desires of the father you want to do. And because they've, they've, they're, now they're carrying the blood of the enemy now. They've been, the, the bloodline's been tainted. And this is why it's paramount that there had to be a virgin birth. This is why it couldn't be done any other way. Because there had to be a new bloodline. There had to be a new father-to-son bloodline. And so here Jesus is, he comes on the earth, now he has, who's his father? His father's God, right? His mother's Mary, so his mother has a tainted bloodline, right? But that's a submissive role. And so here, now understand, that's why he had to have both, was because now he has, he has the, 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 the mother's blood of humanity and the father's blood of God, and so now that's why he could be tempted at every point like man. Because he, had mother, he has his mother's bloodline. But that's why he could be victorious in every account because he had his father's bloodline. Praise God. You understand? And so, uh, go over there to, to uh, Acts chapter 20. Praise God. Is this making sense? He's got to lay this foundation. Understand what, what's, what's so important about the blood. Why is it that the virgin birth was so important and why is it that it can't be done any other way? This is why, you know, man-made religion can't fix the problem because the problem was not human behavior. The problem was the root of the behavior. The problem was the, was the blood. 
And so you cannot go and put a new coat on and change your DNA. But that's what your human religion has always been trying to do. Just put a new coat on. Just, just, man, make a nicer coat. Just make a bigger fig leaf. Do whatever. That doesn't solve the problem, man. You've got to change the blood. You know? And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Either you make the tree good and its fruit good, or you make the tree bad and its fruit bad. That's how it works. But you better make the tree good. And it, it, it comes from the blood. Praise God. Acts 20, though, he says uh, in verse, um, I love this, verse 28. Verse 28. He says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Okay, now here he's talking about God, right? And, and he says, uh, which he, that's still talking about God, he purchased with what? His own blood. Whose own blood? God's blood. So who is carrying God's blood? Jesus. So apparently, now once again, he, he, father to son, now here he is, he's carrying, he's, he's carrying God's own blood when he's walking around on the earth, and now here he is uh, purchasing us with his own blood. Praise God. But I just wanted to establish that, that this was all about not just the blood of a man, but the blood of God himself actually coming back into the earth through, through Jesus and actually beginning to, to be available to the human race again. Glory to God. Um, so we know, of course, Pastor Brian was reading some of these verses, but um, let's look at exactly what Jesus did with that blood. Uh, turn over to, um, uh, let's see, let's just, well, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 9. There's a whole lot on the blood. But if you want to actually get a lot on it, you go through Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews is thick with the blood. And, um, and you understand that, that what, what Paul is writing about in Hebrews, the reason why he covers this so much is because he's, t he's, he's, talking, to, he's talking to Hebrew people, right? That's why it's called Hebrews. So he's talking to Jewish believers, people who were raised in the Old Covenant. And this is such a unique book because when you're talking about Hebrews, you're talking about a group of people who are used to the, um, the sacrifices, the laws, the traditions, the rituals, and everything else. And Paul now is addressing all these things saying, okay, he goes, I want to break you out of these things and let you know what happened in, 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 with Jesus in the real thing. He's trying to get them to understand what was fulfilled through Jesus. And so he's trying to get them to understand that, that they all have a... Have a uh, uh, a understanding, a very a faint or vague understanding of everything God told them to do in the Old Testament, but, but he's going to go, nope, nope, now it's all about life. Now it's all about what Jesus fulfilled through his blood. And so Hebrews 9, and um, he says, uh, mm, praise God, uh, verse 12. He says, um, actually verse 11, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with, with what? His own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. I love this, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh... Now, let me stop that, because there he is, he's saying, listen, he goes, in the Old Testament, he's talking to people who know the, the covenant law. He, they know sacrifices, and they, and they know that every year, you go and you make the sacrifices, and every year, those sins get covered, right? 
And so he's going, listen, if, if the, 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 the flesh of a bull and a goat and a heifer can actually cause the purifying of the flesh to cover it for a year, now you understand, you know, we were talking about this in, in, last night in class, uh, this is, uh, the, the reason why God had him do this is because those animals had innocent blood, right? Those animals had innocent blood, but they didn't have eternal blood. And so they could only cover for a year. They weren't eternal spirits like we are. Those are, those are innocent animals. But the blood was innocent, right? But the blood wasn't our class of blood. It wasn't eternal blood. It wasn't, it wasn't spirit blood. Understand? And so he's going, listen, if, if just the blood of bulls and goats and, and a heifer could actually, it says, actually purify the flesh. Isn't that what it says? It says it sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. Then verse 14. What's the first three words? How much more, praise God, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Man, isn't that good? Man, how much more? He's going, listen, if, if that can actually cover your sins for a year, now how much more, not just dealing with the flesh, I love it, not just dealing with purifying of the flesh, but can cleanse your very conscience from dead works? It's not supposed to just cover your flesh so your flesh can get by with stuff. It's actually supposed to go to the root of this thing so that we don't even have a consciousness of sin anymore. Man, this is so powerful. How much more does the blood of Jesus do this? And so, um, so let's turn over to uh, um, uh, Luke 24. And we're just talking about what Jesus did with his blood. Uh, for, actually, turn over to John 20 first. John 20. John 20 and verse um, 17. Man, you get excited talking about the blood. Here, um, here this is uh, Jesus at the tomb. He just, ro- he just rose from the dead. And um, Mary's been looking for him. Uh, he's, she's outside the tomb weeping and all this other stuff. And it says, um, uh, let's see, uh, verse 14. It says, now when she, she had uh, said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where he, he, you've laid him and I will come and take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and said, to, uh, Rabboni, which is to say teacher, Jesus says to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to, go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and what? Your Father. And to my God and your God. I love that. But he says, don't touch me, right? So why, why can't she touch him? It says right here. Because I've not yet ascended, right? So she says, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended. But then he goes, but I'm going to ascend, and I'm going to go to my Father and to your Father. Man, that's a huge statement, isn't it? He's saying there's a bloodline change coming. Praise God. Bloodline change is coming. And so, um, then to go over, back over to Luke. Luke 24. So he tells Mary, don't touch me. And we've, like, so we've read all these things before, but I want, I want us to just get a, a good understanding of this. Luke 24. And uh, here in verse, um, verse 36, Jesus is now... Uh, uh, talking to his disciples after some time of being risen, and he says, Now as they, stood, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and uh, they, supposing they had seen his spirit. Verse 38. 
He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. So what, what did he say to Mary? Don't touch me. Why? And not yet ascended. But now he's saying, handle me, touch me, right? And then he says, for a spirit does not have what? Flesh and bones, as you see I have. Now once again, he doesn't say flesh and blood, does he? He says flesh and bones. He's ascended, and he comes back down. And he's going, I've got flesh and bones, but I don't got no blood here. Where's his blood? He's poured it out. He took it into the holy place. He took it in the most holy place, the holy of holies. He has now ascended and come back down to, and, and now is, is, is beginning to, to manifest this to his disciples. But now, uh, turn, turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. We already read um, verses uh, 11 through 14. And so, um, let's skip down here a little bit. Go to uh, verse, uh, well, let's just start in verse 15, might as well. It says, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament, or a, that's like a will, is, not enforced after men, uh, is, is enforced after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives. I love that. I love that whole thing. Jesus wrote our, 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 his will and testament is what he did. He wrote it, and then he died so it could be secured. As long as he was alive, it couldn't be secured. As long as he was alive, it was not in force, because you could question it. But once he died, he sealed it. Glory to God. And then he rose from the dead, just to make sure it was so. Glory to God, so nobody could challenge it. Praise God. He says, um, verse 18, Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated, what does it say? Without blood. Not even the first one. It says, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Praise God. I mean, I want you to see this. Here he just, he speaks the law, and then he takes the big old hyssop, big old, you know, uh, uh, basically piece of flimsy broom, and he puts it in this, in this big old blood mixture, and he just starts spraying it everywhere. Whew. All over the book, all over the people, all over the tabernacle, all over the vessels. And what he's doing, he's binding everything together by the blood. He's saying, you're all one because of the blood. He's binding the people to the law, to the tabernacle, to the vessels, to God himself by the blood. Praise God. And this is still what goes on today. Glory to God. And that was the old covenant. How much better in the new covenant? And the blood of Jesus binds us all together. And then it says in verse 23, Therefore it was necessary that the what? The copies of the things in the heavens. What were the copies of the things in the heavens? What Moses just did. The copies, right? That was the tabernacle, the vessels of ministry, all these different things that God said, told Moses that he was going to make a copy of what was going on in heaven. It says that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with what? Better sacrifices than these. So here we see Jesus. He actually takes his blood, right? It says, verse 24, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are a copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for who? 
for us. Praise God. I love this because here he is. He actually took that blood and he purified heaven itself for us. He cleansed the very heavenly realms. That astounds me. You know, that man's sin reached heaven. That the corruption of sin reached heaven. But it's, you understand, when we understand the authority of man, then it shouldn't astound us at all. Because the authority of man bound us to heaven and gave us communion in heaven. So the sin of man reached very, the heavenlies itself. And we were talking about this. Let's just, let's just turn over there to go to Revelation chapter 12. Are we okay? Okay. I want to make sure you're not falling asleep or anything. Revelation chapter 12. And I, I, last night we just kind of got into this. I figured we might as well get into it tonight. Glory to God. But I want us to understand what happened and, and uh, uh, um, what happened at the fall of man. What happened? Why was the blood necessary? And how did it actually affect heaven? Um, now understand that before Adam sinned, man had communion with God, right? So man had perfect communion with God. That meant that man could hang out with God anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Does that make sense? Okay. And now, now we know in, in, in Genesis and in chapter uh, 3, it says that God came in the cool of the day, right? And, and, and walked through the garden. But he was looking for man, right? Now, a lot of people say, well, God and man used to walk in the cool of the day. It doesn't really say that. It doesn't say that God and man walked in the cool of the day. All we see that is one time when God came and walked in the cool of the day looking for man. And I actually, like I said, this is just a theory, okay? So it doesn't, doesn't hinge on your salvation at all. If it's wrong, it's okay. If it's right, it's okay, okay? Are we okay with that? Okay, <laughs> so just a theory. But my theory is that Adam probably didn't, didn't hang out with God on the earth. I think he probably hung out with God in heaven. If I had my choice, guess where I would hang out? I'd hang out in heaven. And I think God just came looking for man because man didn't show up. First thing he asked Adam was, where are you, right? He had perfect communion. Man had authority. Man had been given the earth from God. But I don't believe that, that I, and I could be totally wrong. They could have hung out all day on the earth. I don't know. But I'm just saying that man had, a, had such communion with God that man had no barrier between him and heaven, right? Does that make sense? Do we have a barrier right now? We're saved. We don't have a barrier, do we? We're seated with him in heavenly places. Right? So we need to understand that, that I, I, really, I really believe that, that he went and hung out with God all the time. And God just came looking for him when he didn't show up. Now, God knew what was going on, obviously. But still, uh, and I think that was one of the reasons why man was so scared. <laughs> it's because God came looking for him. <laughs> it's like, oh, Dad's come down looking for me now, you know. Uh, but, uh, but over here in Revelation chapter 12, though, we see something. It says um, in verse 1, uh, we see a, a, a little, uh, just a, a brief synopsis of what happened because of the fall of man, why heaven had to be cleansed. In verse 1 it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with, twelve, with, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Now this is, uh, this is Israel. Okay? The woman is Israel, and the twelve stars are the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? Just kind of putting that out there. It says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So who was the child that Israel was going to produce? Jesus, right? Okay, so it says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great and fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems on his heads, and his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, who is that? 
That's talking to the devil, right? That's talking about the Lucifer and the, and the third part of the angels. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The devil never wanted Jesus to be born, right? It says, verse 5, she bore a male child who was to do what? Yeah, with a rod of iron. That's Jesus, right? It says, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, in one sentence... They synopsized the birth, the raising, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in one sentence right there, or a sentence and a half. <laughs> that's a pretty quick synopsis of Jesus' life and ministry on the earth, right? But that's it. He gets caught up, right, to God and to his throne. It says, then the woman fled into the wilderness, where there was a place prepared by God that they should feed her there uh, 1,260 days. Then it says, verse 7, and then what happened? War broke out in heaven. Now, like I said, you know, most of the time when people read this, they think this was when Lucifer first fell, but it can't be. Because here it says Jesus has already been born, right? Jesus has already been resurrected. Jesus has already been in heaven. So this has to be another time. Something else had to have happened when Jesus was resurrected and caught up to the throne. It says a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place, what does it say? Found for them in heaven any longer. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Now, you understand, he was never called the devil or Satan at the first time. This had to be the second time, right? This wasn't the first time that he, he was cast out of heaven. This was the second time. I want you to understand what happened with the fall of man. Man had total right and authority to go into heaven. But man bowed his knee to the devil. Now who had right and authority? The devil did. Look, let's, let's see what it says. I just want to confirm this. I want you to see what's going on. Why do you think that Jesus had to go and cleanse the heavens? It says, uh, uh, it says okay, verse 9, So the great dragon, blah, 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 devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, what? Now salvation. Now, salvation. So what does that tell us? Jesus has been resurrected, Right? This is not the first time then that the devil came down because salvation hadn't come yet to man. This is the second time. Now salvation and, and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. And then it says, notice what it says, for what? The accuser of our brethren who accused them where? Before our God, when? Day and night has been cast down. Do you understand that the first time Lucifer fell, there were no brethren? So he couldn't be accusing the brethren before God day and night. This was the second time, right? And then when we, when we read Job chapter 1, what was he doing? He's accusing before God. God goes, where have you been? I've been on the earth. Walking the earth. Well, they're not on the earth then, apparently. Right? They're in heaven. And what is the, what is the devil doing? Accusing. Man, ever since the fall of man, 4,000 years, the devil's been up there day and night accusing the brethren before God. Could you imagine this? And God is so just to put up with this until the blood was shed. He's so just to put up with this vileness. Could you imagine this? Somebody coming into your home and accusing your children day and night. And you aren't doing anything about it because you're just. Because you know, nope, there's going to be a blood that's shed. This thing will all be taken care of. Praise God. Jesus had to cleanse the very heavens. Now, no, of course, it says here, um, uh, uh, it says, um, 
Okay, well, let's just, let's just keep, keep going here. So we know that, that, that Jesus cleansed the very heavens. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Let's go, let's go back to the New Testament, back, back in the Ephesians. Look at a few scriptures here. Are we still okay? Okay. So what does this mean for us? Praise God. <laughs> it means everything for us. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1. I love it. In verse 7, it says, In him, in Jesus, we have what? Redemption through what? Through his blood, glory to God. The forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having been made to us to, to the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Glory to God. It says, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in earth, in him. Mm, that's all through his blood. Praise God. Over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And then, of course, verse uh, 13. Colossians 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption. How? Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Glory to God. Oh, man, He's so good. (laughs) So good. It says in verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace. How? Through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Man, glory to God. It's all about the blood. Ephesians chapter 2. Man, I love the blood. But this is all about that, that, that seat of... of uh, of, of everything, the seat of authority in our life, the seat of the governing force of our life is the blood. And now we have the blood of Jesus. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And, um, of course, it says in, uh, in verse 11, 211, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, it says that at the time, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where everybody is before, before Jesus. But now, verse 13, glory to God. Everybody say, but now. but now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been what? Brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God. <laughs> We've been brought near. I'm not going to be brought near. I am brought near. I am near, Lord God. I am with God. I am one spirit with the Lord, and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Praise God. Okay, turn back over to Hebrews. Got to go through Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Man, glory to God. Um, Verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those, those who approach perfect. For, when, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And then it says down here, skip down a few verses. It says, um, verse 8, Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor did have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He, talking about Jesus, takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12, what's the first word? But this man, glory to God, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has what? Perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Isn't that awesome? I love this. <laughs> well, I'm being sanctified, but in the middle of me being sanctified, I'm perfected forever. Isn't that good to know? Amen. It says, oh man, so much. Uh, it says here, uh, uh, verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said, this bef- said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is no, there's remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having what? Boldness to enter the holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us do what? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, he who promised is faithful. Glory to God. Man, I love all of this. There's so much in this. But he says that we actually have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Man, that's awesome. This is not about dead bulls and goats anymore. This is not about who died. It's about who rose again. That's what it's about. Okay? I enter by a new and living way. I don't enter in by the remembrance of sin every year. I don't enter in because, I don't enter in because somebody died. I enter in because he shed his blood willingly You understand? He laid his life down willingly, and then he rose again just to confirm the covenant that I have with him. Praise God. This thing is so huge. Now, uh, turn over to uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 24. It's all about the blood. And he says here, of course, in verse, um, verse 22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men, what does it say? Made perfect, that's us. To Jesus, the mediator of what? The new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Man, that's good. We actually come. We have to actually come to this, though. This takes faith. We actually have to come by faith, by that blood, and and understanding that that Abel did his blood speak. You know, right? Where did it speak from? The ground. What did it speak of? Spoke of revenge and guilt, right? His blood spoke from the ground. We don't have a blood that speaks from the ground anymore. 
Isn't that good to know? We have a blood that speaks from heaven itself. We actually have the blood of Jesus speaking from heaven, not, not of condemnation, but of, of perfection, of justness, of holiness, of sanctification. Praise God. The price has been paid. The question is, am I going to listen and actually, am I actually going to listen to heaven or am I going to listen to the earth? Am I going to listen to that which cries out from the earth trying to breed condemnation over me or am I going to listen to the blood that cries out from heaven? Which one am I going to agree with? That's the question. You know, and we were talking about this last night, you know, blood flowing through your veins gives, gives strength to every part of your body. But your muscles can be strong, but if you cut off the blood flow, what happens? They have no strength, right? Even though the muscle is perfectly fine. So if I put a tourniquet on that hand, right there, if I put a tourniquet on that hand, every muscle in that hand could be totally fine. But once I put a tourniquet on, what happens? It just ends up dying, right? Even though the muscles are fine, without the blood flow, there's no strength. And the problem is this, is that we, so many times, we have the blood. We have the blood flowing through us. We have the spiritual blood flowing through us all the time. And the question is not whether or not it's doing its job. The question is, did I put a tourniquet on with my own mouth? I can actually quash that thing and I begin to agree with the earth instead of with heaven. I need to humble myself to the blood. Man, how many times have I been in the presence of God and his glory, that light is getting brighter and brighter and it's exposing darkness on the inside of me. You know what I'm talking about? When you don't feel like you can take another step. But what do I do? Humble myself to the blood. I'm here because of the blood. I draw near because of the blood. Not because of me, not because of some qualification that I have or some spiritual knowledge I have. I just, I just have the blood. That's all I've got. But it's more than enough. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Glory to God. This is, this is just the blood. <laughs> it's all about the blood. Verse, I love verse 20 here. Verse 20. Two more scriptures, and then we're going to wrap it up. Are we still doing okay? You with us? Verse 20. It says, Now may the God of what? Peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, it says, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you what? Complete in every good work to do his will. What does it say next? Working in you. What's working? The blood. The blood's working. That blood that is that passive activity on the inside of you. The thing that you don't have to think about, but it's still working. That blood that's working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, isn't that good? Man, that blood is what's working it out. That, the blood is what's working things out in my life. That blood is taking all of the nutrients of the word of God and actually putting it into my life. That, I don't even have to think about that. You know, when I eat something for dinner, I don't sit there after have to purpose that and go, mm, okay, every part of that gets digested and then I have to attribute different parts to my body. I don't have to think about any of that. The blood does all that. When I take the word of God, this is meat, right? This is the word of God that I may grow thereby. I take the word of God and the blood just begins to just work those things out in my life. This is working in me, making me complete. It's the blood of the everlasting covenant that's doing it. It's passive, but yet it's active. I'm passive, it's active. You understand that? But all I have to do is have faith. That's all I got to do. Just partake. Glory to God. Last verse. Revelation chapter 12, back where we were. Man, I love it. Revelation chapter 12. And of course, uh, let's just start in verse 10 again. We already read this. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, so now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Verse 11, 
What does it say? They overcame by what? By the blood of the Lamb and what? what? The word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Isn't that awesome? How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of our testimony. The blood's not enough. The blood's enough for victory, but our word has to be tied to that. My, the word of my testimony. Who am I, once again, who am I agreeing with? Who am I testifying in agreement with? Am I testifying in agreement with the world, or am I testifying in agreement with the blood that says I am holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight? It's the blood. But we need to understand, this blood, it transports, it protects, and it regulates. It's still that, that spiritual blood. How much more does the blood of Jesus do all this for us? And now we are tied into his blood because we have one head and one body. And now we're tied to the same blood that sits on that mercy seat and it's flowing through his body all the time. Amen. So praise God. Let's wrap it up right now. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we worship you. We thank you for the blood, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Teach us, Lord God, to reveal to us the importance of this blood. Father God, just as much as we don't have to think, I don't have to get up every day and think about how my blood's going to flow. Lord God, I just, it just does its work. Lord God, we want to allow that to be that easy. Father God, the blood of Jesus. The yoke is easy and the burden is light, Lord God. And Father God, you said that the blood of the everlasting covenant is what's completing me and causing us to draw near by that blood. And we just thank you, Lord God, by the Holy Ghost. Just seal these things on the inside of us. Reveal, Lord God, the importance of this blood. And Father God, we want to be those who live as the blood-bought church, Lord God. We want to be those who live like we're redeemed by that same precious blood, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord, that we live, Father God, in accordance with that blood and we testify, Father God, in agreement with that blood. And we know that all the promises of God are yes and amen in you. And we just give you all the glory for it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.